to STD, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast of the CBS series, Star Trek Discovery. Hi, I'm Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, slash Trekkies, starting first with the Trek story himself, Jonathan Shorts. John, how you doing, man? Doing great, man. Doing great. Excited to talk about this awesome episode. Oh, so good. So good, man. So good. And also joining us is none other than the historian Cal Jones. Cal, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I uh, I'm good. I'm glad to be back after missing last week. And you know this this episode here, I can't wait to talk about it. I mean, if I had to describe it, I'd call it maybe like a big ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. So yeah, I can't. I mean, I'm 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 psyched to talk about this. Yeah, especially, especially poignant because you were like caught off in the time stream somewhere the last episode. So you're finally back. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of yeah. <laughs> wibbly wobbly, even timey wimey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, guys, uh, what we do here on this podcast is review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek. Uh, today, we'll be reviewing magic to make the sanest man go mad. So, guys. um, What's been going on? Any news or anything you want to bring up that might have came up over the last week since we last podcast? Anything? If no, uh, yeah. go ahead, Jonathan. I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't. Uh, I mean, other than the Anthony Rapp thing. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 talk that about was, the. Yeah, that's been a biggie. Yeah. So apparently, and I, you know, I won't, don't want to linger on this, but we'll bring it up because it is Star Trek news. Uh, Anthony Rapp uh, kind of came out. I think it was a Variety article. I can't remember which site, but it was an article stating that uh, Kevin Spacey kind of made an advance toward him, toward him as a 14 year old kid. And that is bad in itself. But like what kind of dominoed after that, the statement that Kevin Spacey made was just just very insensitive, you know, saying things like I don't remember and um, and then he chose that moment to come out as gay. So just really weird reaction to something that happened admittedly a long time ago, but still it doesn't make it any less uh, painful for for Anthony Rapp. And, and it's just kind of kind of a horrible situation. All right. So I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm going to like play stupid here for a second. <laughs> which character is Anthony? I mean, which character does anthony rap play stamets man come on crazy stamets okay, all right. cool all right got it <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean um yeah just just very unfortunate news coming coming out of uh coming from him so and uh yeah it has uh other repercussions in the the netflix sphere netflix show universe uh we see where uh they have halted all production on the next season of a house of cards 
as well as um, there have been people who are employees on the House of Cards who have come out saying that similar things have happened to them with Kevin Spacey. So, yeah, this story is still unfolding, but yeah, it, do, it doesn't look good for him. And again, just a very unfortunate events that you don't want to see happen to anybody. So so just out of because uh, I knew something was going on and and I guess I've been so busy this week. Uh, I haven't really paid attention. So were all of these people underage or were or was this just well him? I- yeah, in, in in the case of the Netflix associates, I don't think any of them, any of them were underage. You know, they were employees. But I don't I don't know the other people besides those the Netflix guys who came out. I don't know what the age range of those people were. So, so I mean, like I said, it's still unfolding. We don't know all the details, and I'm sure uh, over the next <laughs> few months we'll we'll find out a lot more of what's been going on in 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 Kevin Spacey's world. Yeah. Wow. I, I just, you know, I hope this is not all a publicity stunt, you know? Um, I don't feel it's a publicity stunt. I feel like it's more like we're at this point where um, things that may have been acceptable in times past are, are slowly coming to light. You know, I've, I've, t- I've told people at work, there are shows and movies now that I just won't watch now out of principle. I mean... No more House of Cards. I love that show, man. I love it. I'll never watch it again. I just won't. Um, and and well, and, there was more in that show that makes me not want to watch. Yeah, it true, true. It was some pretty weird things in that <laughs> well, show. Look as at well. the Cosby thing. You know, yeah, yeah I, you know, we all grew up on watching Cosby. Yeah, and how many people will not watch Cosby show because of Cosby? Yeah, so. I, I, I never watch another Bill Cosby show. That's that's off the list. Any Weinstein movie, if I know before I watch the movie. I probably won't watch it. So it's, you know, it's it's a a thing that has been going on in Hollywood for a very long time, but uh, is is unfortunately just now coming to light. You know, so so I, you know, people say it's part of the business or it's just ingrained in the business. It's still no excuse for it. You know, uh, what's bad is bad, and what shouldn't be done shouldn't be done. So, yeah. so let me throw this out there: if the same story come out, but Let's say it involved an actor from Voyager. Would you then not watch Voyager anymore? Oh, it would hurt, man. It would hurt. Uh, well, a, a few differences with Kevin Spacey and, and um and the House of Cards. It's actually his production company that is over the House of Cards. So he's not uh, just a cog in the wheel. Uh, he is the wheel as far as that show is concerned. Uh, gotcha. his, his partnership with the showrunners and that's that's actually his thing. So yeah, he he has a little more ownership over that, and and especially in the case of Weinstein, you know he's the owner of the company. I'm pretty sure there's movies in there where he had little or nothing to do with. You know, it's a huge company, but you know, I, I don't know, man. It's just hard. And and again with Cosby, that was the Cosby Show. So it's just just very unfortunate that we're seeing these things things pop up. And yeah, I've heard other things about some other people that I'm not really going to mention at this moment. But but it it you know. Before the shoe drops, there may be more Hollywood people who we hold in high esteem that actually, uh, you know, get knocked off of their horse. Yeah. So, All right. well, yeah. well, well, let me say this before we move on. You know, the way I take it is it doesn't matter to me if you are, you know, if it's a man or if it's a woman or if the person that is being, you know, taken advantage of is a man or a woman. That really doesn't matter to me. The, the mattering to me comes in to, 
the whole you're taking your position of power and taking it for whatever direction you want to take it to hold that over somebody else to if you're going to advance in this role or you're going to advance in this business that's that's wrong and and i think that's you know pretty much what we're saying i just i i don't like the fact that kevin spacey uses this opportunity to say oh and by the way i'm gay now yeah because that that if he was if he was um you know if if, if the dude was 14 years old and he was being a um uh, what is the word predator toward it it doesn't matter whether he was gay or not he was still a predator so you know i i i i don't like that he did that but you know we'll see how it unfolds and how that goes so agree so yeah. there you go yeah nothing else to be said on that way to way to cap that off that that yes great great stuff and, and bad situation and we hope the best for the people involved uh but on to a little bit brighter news um Yay, Discovery has been renewed for a season two. Woo. Right. Was there ironically guess what else has also been renewed? Oh, you had to bring up the, the red headed stepchild, didn't you? <laughs> go, ahead, go, go ahead and say it, man. <laughs> the, 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 I was about to say the Norville, but the Orville. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that on my Facebook as I was uh, scrolling just a few minutes ago. Yeah, so so I guess the good thing out of this is more sci-fi on television. You know, we can't complain about that, can we? No. And listen, I, I, I don't. I mean, people. We a lot of people <laughs> knock Orville, and I, I'll say it is not on Star Trek's caliber of any Star Trek, but it is a good show. All right. Do you mind if I ask you guys a question? Go for it, man. So do you think, or and this is to both of you guys, do you th- guys think if we didn't have uh, Discovery on the air and you didn't have this constant comparison to, oh, this is so much more like Star Trek, do you think that the Orville would be doing as well or have gotten renewed if you didn't have this competing different version of Star Trek going on out here? You want to take that job? <laughs> you don't think it would be doing it, as it's good? Because because your your true tricky fans are all over Discovery. We're picking Discovery apart to make sure it holds true to what we know as Star Trek. If we didn't have Discovery and the only sci-fi we had to cling to was the Orville, then we'd be picking that apart. Yeah. And if you start picking that apart, it's going to be a terrible show. So, but to take it as it is, you know, we have a new Star Trek and that's great. We love it. And hey, just for kicks and giggles, we got another sci-fi show on TV that's also good. So, I mean, I don't if, if Discovery wasn't there, I don't think it would have made it. Well put. Well put. <laughs> Nothing to add. <laughs> totally agree with what you said, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets a little, little less criticized because we have a, a bigger, bigger, um, fighter on stage that we can you know nitpick and i think that's that's exactly what's happening so guys i guess that's it for news so i guess we'll get into our review of magic to make the sanest man go mad what are our non-spoilery thoughts of this episode just right off how do we feel about this episode i liked it yeah agreed very well written and very i mean you know if if i were one of the writers on this episode I would probably quit by now. <laughs> Why is that? Let's, let's hear I, it. It just, I, it, I don't 
it's hard to get into without any spoilers, but it's just because the. I mean, usually when you have episodes like this and anything else, some a lot of times the storyline is kind of lost. It's hard to follow. It, it like it has a disconnect. But here, I mean, you were able to follow the storyline. Uh, it kept a consistent storyline. Like there were certain things happening throughout this episode that were developing on cue progressively, even though the episode was what it was. And that to me seems like would be a hard thing to write. Agreed. Agreed. Cal, especially when you have multiple writers. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 You know, I, I was sitting here listening to you and I was thinking, you know, and again, what you said is hard not to spoil, but, um, I liked that it it this this to me seemed the most Star Trekky of any of the episodes we've seen so far. That I don't know, it just felt a little more, you know, classic or regular or or primary whatever Star Trek. However, having said that, they took the traditional time story that they've told before and, and told it a different way because I, I was kind of taken aback that they revealed some of the things as quick as they did. So it made it fresh to me. And that was one of the things that I liked about it. So uh, guys, if you have not seen this episode, uh, magic to make the sanest man go mad, uh, I will say right here. And for the rest of this episode, you will be spoiled. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's get, get into it. You said time things. So, guys, this is what I call a time loop episode. Some call it a Groundhog Day episode. Now, I had never heard this called Groundhog Day until I researched this episode. So why is it called Groundhog Day? Has Has anyone seen that movie? Anyone of you I have many times. It's a great movie. I have not. Oh gosh. So, 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 so fill me in. Uh don't get me wrong, it's been so long ago. I don't even remember the guy's name that was acting. But anyway, I think he's like a reporter or something, and he goes to this town that's like wherever uh the national groundhog is kept. Uh he goes to this town to report on it. And he wakes up one morning to go to the celebration and they let the groundhog out to see if he sees a shadow and all of that. And anyway, he goes to bed and then he wakes up again and it's the same day again. Uh, So he keeps having to go through the same groundhog day over and over and over again. And don't give me, again, it's been so long ago. I don't have an in-depth memory of the storyline, but that's basically where they get the groundhog day reference from. Cool. Ah, understood. So, so Cal, you mentioned that you've seen this formula before. Can you tell me what shows, even if it's not Star Trek, what have you seen this repeated loop formula in times past? Okay, I know there's there there, there has to have been, and 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 I can't believe that I'm not uh, remembering. There has to be some Doctor Who episodes where you've <laughs> had something s- similar, and um, the episode of the two part season uh five of two thousand and ten uh to the two part finale uh the Pandorica opens and the big bang river song the character of river song is is stuck where uh she's in the tardis and she's constantly reliving this thirty second loop 
as the TARDIS explodes, she's going over and over and over this this same scene of you know same thing over and over and over. So there so there's uh, one uh, example. Another example, I think in the Next Generation there was something similar to that. I know they've done Mirror Universes. Um, I I think there was an episode where Tar- uh, Tasha Yar came back and that that was like an alternate reality so maybe not a time loop but but something similar and then someone had to figure out that this is not how it's supposed to be so so again different different a little bit but still kind of the same maybe yeah there was a there was a next generation episode called uh cause and effect that was this similar time loop which i need to go back and watch i intended to watch before this this uh podcast but but yeah it's just similar a similar thing and also in doctor who not necessarily a time loop episode because the time does continue but it made me think a lot of uh heaven sent where he's kind of repeating the same things over yes. and over, but it yes, isn't, but yes, it isn't, yes, yes. it isn't in fact a time loop episode because the time actually continues. He just offs himself and he comes back in the machine. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I technically, that. yeah, technically it's not a time loop episode, but it's very similar in, in, in style. And, well, I was going to say, and I don't know, Clarence, if you're going to point it out. Uh, there's actually a couple different ones. Now the episode in TNG you were mentioning, is that the one, uh, that, where Worf is playing the main character in it? Um, um, I don't. I think this is a Picard episode. I believe. Okay. Yeah, well, no. there was one with Worf, and I, I don't know. It wasn't necessarily a time loop, but he had come back from the Batlith tournament, and he was on a shuttle, and he was recording a log, and he had won first place in the Batlith tur- tournament. And when he gets back to the ship, it's his, his birthday, and he goes through the whole thing. But you know, for some reason, something is altering the timeline. So then it replays again as him coming back from the tournament with second place. And then it replays again as him coming back, not winning any place at all because he was eliminated for with an illegal maneuver. <laughs> so that was kind of a time loop episode. Now, another good one would be on Voyager, which is I just looked it up. The episode name was Coda. And it's uh, when, you know, the episode where Captain Janeway is on the shuttle. And I think it's her and Chicote, and they're traveling somewhere on a white mission or something. And they're talking about the talent show on the bridge. And I don't remember exactly what all happened, but I think the shuttle crashed or something. And then once it gets to like the worst part of the show, it starts over again. Yeah, I like go every, back and watch that. every time it starts over, they start remembering a little more like, hey, feel like we've done this before. Oh, oh man, that makes me happy. I need to go back and watch it. You said the name of that episode is uh, Coda from Star Coda, C-O-D-A. From Star Trek Voyager. Cool, cool. Yes. I'm going to have to rewatch that one as well. Uh, All right. So, so you guys, uh, and, I, and I know we're ready to probably move on, but you guys um, tell me if, you, if, if I'm right on this. The one I was mentioning was it was probably in the second, third, maybe even fourth season, but it was the episode where Tasha Yar, or, the, or Denise Crosby, comes back as Tasha Yar, and they're in some kind of alternate something because something happened. And I'm wanting to say the only person that remembered it was Guinan. Is, is, am I right uh, yeah, there? I, I think you are. So, guys, uh, yeah, um, let's go ahead and get into the nuts and, nuts and bolts of the episode. So this is the first episode where we didn't actually get a cold open. It went straight on into the actual uh, intro. 
and then we're uh, introduced where uh, we see Burnham is doing her um, her log for the first well the first time post um, uh, mutiny that I can remember. And um, yeah, she did another doing when she was uh, replicating her uniform. Did she? When he first told her she. Yeah, I think she was doing a personal log then. Okay, that might be correct then. So, well, not her first then. But we do see where she is embracing her new role as a science officer on Discovery, uh, which I found funny because she's an officer with no rank, I guess, which is (laughs) (laughs) kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, She makes mention of Stamets' continued use of the spore drive, which is the one thing we kind of questioned in the last episode because we didn't really get a clear... Uh, explanation of if he's still using it or, or what's actually going on with the sport drive at all. And, um, we also see where she's taking this liking to Ash Tyler. So, um, yeah, guys, what do we think of this, um, this, this opening where we see Burnham kind of making a similar journey toward her humanity, much like, uh, seven to nine on Voyager? Uh, I'm, I don't, I, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to take it because I kind of like her being cold and stoic, and I don't necessarily <laughs> want her to be all lovey-dovey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> it is quite different. I must admit to see her um, going from this ultra logic Vulcan esque human to starting to embrace her feelings. <laughs> what do you think, John? Uh, uh um. I like it. I do. And I I think it's just kind of a, how would you say, a side effect of the whole ordeal she just went through with Sarah. So now I think she's kind of resenting her logic more. So she's more open to her human side. But I like seeing it. I like the progression she did. Again, the writers did also the way, the way that her feelings progressed in this episode. So oh, yeah. I was excited to see it. So many see, Jonathan looking at it from what you just said, I like that. I mean, I like that makes me like it better. And, you know, from that, pers- for, for, from that perspective, if it were just that, Oh, well now she's met Ash Tyler and Oh, guess what? She's not going to be, you know, emotionalist and whatever. I, I buy what you just said much better than looking at it from the way I was, which was, this had something to do with Ash. Yeah, and I probably just formed that opinion because I didn't. That's the only way I wanted to look at it. I didn't want to look <laughs> at it no other way. Yeah. Because like you, if I'd have looked at it any different, then it had kind of just been out of nowhere and didn't really fit, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to look at it. I'm, I'm adopting uh, how you're looking at it because that makes it make much more sense to me. Yeah. So, so, so guys, um, ain't no party like a Starfleet party because a Starfleet party don't stop question mark question mark <laughs> okay can i say this and i'm gonna put my stamp on it other than the vic fontaine music this yes. is the best soundtrack yes. of any star trek episode. yes it was awesome it was awesome like man it kind of got me crunk over here sitting on my couch what? like what and then they played some al green and i almost hit <laughs> the floor yeah, I think one of my tweets in the After Trek, you know, we jump in there and we do the After Trek hashtag. hashtag. I think mine was, uh, where do I get this soundtrack from? Because they are really bringing it on the Discovery, man. Wow. Yes, it was awesome. I mean, and that was an awesome party. Uh, uh, I so having said, I like the music. I got to say, I like the music, but 
of all the music of of 300 years or however many years since uh um you know what you know since now or since those songs that they were playing so they they're having a party and they just so happen to go back and listen to music that's just like us going to a party now and listening to music that that was popular back in the 1600s makes no sense well the people do have uh classical music parties i guess maybe yeah <laughs> yeah i do get your point though i get your point but uh hey man music is starting <laughs> to get bad these days in most genres so i mean they had to go back to classics or either they could at least in the clean on opera yeah, well, come on. It's, it's it's not the first time we've seen a fascination with past times. Look at Tom Paris; he was obsessed with the uh the twentieth twentieth century, so twenty uh, first century. So, I mean, it's not outside the scope of Star Trek to go in the past and and dredge things up that are culturally culturally significant to us uh, to to maybe relate a little more to the characters that are on screen. Yeah. I don't know. I loved it. <laughs> but, but aside from the music, isn't this like, I think you mentioned it, John, isn't this like the most crunk Starfleet party we've ever seen? I mean, yes. Fr- from all the, um, the, the things we on DS9, this, the stuff we've seen on TNG. I mean, probably the most, the biggest party I've seen prior to this one is maybe in, was it Nemesis where Troy and, um, and, uh, Riker were getting, what, we're getting married, I think, and they had like a big reception. That might oh, was be- that on the was it uh, was it on Nemesis? a pirate ship? Like, oh, uh, I think it was on Enterprise. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, no, because I remember who was they getting married? They were on. The, they were in the holodeck, and they were on the ship. Oh yeah, they, they were on in the holodeck. You're right. You're right. Wasn't that Riker and Troy? Yeah, that was Riker and Troy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, but but to me, that was the best well, one prior are- to this one. But go ahead. Oh, well, we, we're. Getting one party that was pretty good, and that was a Jet Zia's bachelorette party. Uh, I forgot about that one completely. Yeah, yeah that but was a pretty insane party too. But <laughs> still, though, there was a genericness that, in my opinion, these this this version of uh, of of what they showed in this particular episode this this looked more like real people as opposed to Star Trek characters. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Cal, I got something for you, man. I have to ask you: Did you not like Drunk Tilly? <laughs> I loved her. I freaking loved Drunk Tilly, man. She was awesome. They need to medicate her more, ah. and, and, and if that means uh, uh, giving her alcohol to make her uh, relatable to the audience, then you know I'm sure they have a cure of 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 her personality by making you know don't, whatever don't but be a yeah, hater, she man. was a little bit more tolerable she was I'll, awesome we'll give her that drunk tilly was awesome man don't be a hater don't be a hater bro <laughs> i will say this i am i if, if if they make her being be an ancestor of somebody else i'm not gonna like that i will say that hmm interesting i don't know what that's you're going with that but interesting <laughs> uh, you want me to just go there yeah, sure. Why not? If she's somehow related to a certain Catherine Janeway, uh, I don't know if I like that. No, why would you even say that? Red hair. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we find it surprising that Burnham has not had a boyfriend before? Is that a not at all? Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um, so I have a prediction. 
Um, uh oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey man, she's like an Ash Tyler. You know, Ash is a player, man. He's gonna break that girl's heart. <laughs> you think? He's a player. Did you see him at the party? I did, but I don't think he's doing that. I think he's unintentionally that way. Uh, no, I, I think my prediction would be that Tilly falls in love with him as well. Oh, mm. good. Hmm. And she goes psychotic, and she tries to kill Barnum, <laughs> and they have to like use that gun to like dematerialize her. Yes. Oh that's boy. What's oh boy. Or either they strap her into the spore drive and it kills her. Well, even better. <laughs> yeah. Now I I do like Burnham's reasoning for not you know fraternizing with the crew because you know she she was first officer aboard the, the uh, Shinzo. <laughs> Uh, so that that's a good reason, but you know, guys, uh, as a look into Star Trek's past slash future, I guess um, it never stopped other superior officers from getting it on. So uh, why is it such a big deal with her? Well, I don't remember any. I mean, other than Kirk, I don't think we really had any issues like that. Riker a little bit. Riker is the worst. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, in his defense, he has none. <laughs> he do, he and Troy. No, he was were, trying to get. Well, oh, he and Troy were in were <laughs> known before he became first officer. They were in a relationship, and I guess most of his conquests were non-ship people. Right. Yeah, even in Kurt's case, to be honest. True. True. So I don't yeah. see any any uh I can't think of anything. I don't know. Did Archer have a problem? No, nah, it was pretty much just um just this Riker and uh Kurt <laughs> yeah. that I can think of. Yeah, I mean it makes sense because we see where Janeway, you know, being being stranded in the Delta Quadrant was kind of on her own and couldn't really socialize with the rest of the crew, but she kind of embraced it t- toward the end of uh the years that they were stranded out there. But yeah, I, I definitely see the isolation. Um, how that can affect a uh, superior officer. Yeah, that episode when Janeway and Chakotay were on that planet, and he that's was like what... massaging her shoulders. <laughs> oh, Chakotay. Right. That's why they have the holodeck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that was even like a plot point at some, you know, at, at some point or another. She fell in love with the, the Irish guy from uh, Fair Fairville, Fairhope, whatever it was called. Right. Yeah. She did. She yeah. did. So, yeah, you're right, Kyle. That's what the holodecks are for. That's what the holodecks for. So, guys, um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. We got more crazy Stamets. Uh, are we, are we, I asked this same question last week, but I have to ask it again. Are we still liking crazy Stamets? It, I love him now. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome now. He's fun. He's awesome. And it kind of makes, you know, it just, you know, last episode, they didn't really go into a lot of stamina. So it just, it seemed like a drastic change. But now that I was expecting that, I like him. So, so, so since I've missed this, you know, recording last week, so make, make sure I understand this. So when he exposes himself to the, uh, tardigrade or whatever, or this thing that he's got in him, it is ex- exposing a different, alternate uh version of his personality right well right they have bringing out a different side of his personality am i right or wrong i mean they haven't really explained about it being another side of his personality but think of it like this if somebody were to 
automatically just pour into your brain all the vast knowledge of universes, future and present and past. That would kind of make you a little bit crazy, you know? Understood. So I, I think okay. that's more so what he's going through right now. They haven't really dived into the whole mirror scene yet. We haven't really heard any more about that. But, you know, being plugged into the mycelium network, it definitely has changed his his outlook. Yeah. Okay. Because where I was going with that is if you were having problems with him having different aspects of his personality showing, then I'm kicking you off discussing who. Oh, no, I'm loving the new Stamets, man. <laughs> I'm loving the new Stamets. He's just all fighting words there. Yeah, I mean, it goes from, you know, what I think about is that first interaction he had with Burnham to where, you know, uh, she's looking over his shoulder while he's talking to his friend on the Glen, and he just, like, turns around and goes off on her. And pretty much the rest of the episode, he just went off on her on every opportunity he could get. I mean, it has gone from that to now we're at this point where He's teaching her how to dance, how to how to get a guy. You know, I I, I love the new Stamets, man. He's awesome. <laughs> but but you know what I think is going to happen? I think there's something that's going to happen at some point that's going to like revert him back to the the the, the one he was at the very beginning. I actually like like the character better now than he was it because he's more relatable to me. Hey, Kyle, oh. once you go spore, you don't go back, man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> nice. What's that, John? <laughs> I'm still going with my I'm still going with my theory that it's not the Stamets that we met first. It's the mirror uh, universe Stamets. Wow. Ah, wow. Good one. Yeah, that's gonna throw me for a loop, man. That wow. <sighs> so guys, but, uh go ahead. He, well, I goes, he's uh I, I hope they don't because then I think I think like you said it's gonna throw me for a loop and then I'm not gonna like him anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be mad too. <laughs> really. Um, what do we think about this uh Gormagander slash space whale? Um, guys, can you think of another case where Starfleet has sought out an endangered species? Nobody. <laughs> not not actually that they sought out an endangered species. Well, actually, no. Well, well, doesn't ring a bell because I think this is a callback to a movie, a certain voyage home. Oh, could it be Star Trek: The Voyage Home? Yeah, there you go, Cal. <laughs> oh, cool. So, would would you guys think less of me if I said I didn't see that movie? Uh, no, I'm not really. But I've seen it. I've seen it many years ago. It's not one that I go back to. What my favorite? But yeah, um, something happens on Earth current Starfleet time where they hear this sound and they deduct that it's a whale and they have to go on a pass and get a whale to bring back to the future. Dumb plot. Dumb plot. But <laughs> but say but, that again. <laughs> uh, they go back. They they hear a whale. They go back to the whale and they bring the whale back to the future yeah yeah something some okay. something making a whale noise is threatening earth is i may be remembering incorrectly but they wind up having to go to the past to get a whale to bring to the future to keep this thing from destroying earth um i i guys if i'm saying this wrong right in uh, send feedback to um, uh, fans at stdpodcast.com and tell me how wrong I am on this because I don't completely remember. It's been so long since I've seen this this movie. But yeah, another episode where they, they rescued an endangered whale thing. But this Gormagander. Um, again, I think it was a little bit of fan service. 
I do love Burnham's devotion to science in this little part that we saw over and over again, where she's uh, like, oh, it's an endangered species. We have to go save it. Blah, blah, blah. And Lorca's like, Ugh, the science stuff. I, I don't have time for that. I want to blow up stuff. <laughs> go handle it. <laughs> so I, I thought that was really great. Um, What do we think of the computer graphics in this scene? Because uh, I want to get your guys thought on this because because uh, mine weren't too great about it. Uh, do, do you mind if I say something? One more thing about the whale. <laughs> go ahead. Kyle. Really, really quickly. Um, the whale was more like a. Um, a traveling uh, ship almost, right? Yeah, yes. It was a space-faring okay. animal, basically. All right. So having said that, back in the 80s in the X-Men comics, there there were these insectoid-type aliens called the Brood, and they basically took these giant space whales and uh, basically had these things enslaved, or enslaved and were using them as ships. So whenever I saw this and saw somebody walk out, my first thought were, and I think they were called the Akante or the Akante, that, that's what that reminded me of. It was back in the X-Men comics. Ah, ah, cool, cool. Very, uh, what is it, Troy with the horse, the wooden horse thing from? Yes, very yeah. much so. The, uh, the Troy thing, yes. Yeah. So what do we think of the computer graphics in this scene? Cause this was the first time that I thought the graphics were actually really bad. Um, what about you guys? Did you notice that at all, or did it look okay to you? It, it wasn't Orville shuttle scene <laughs> bad, <laughs> but, but I, I, you know what? It, it it wasn't bad enough for me to notice much. You know, I I didn't expect it to be great because I don't think any of the story really depended on it. You know what I mean? Like that episode in Orville, like. That was kind of an important part of the episode. Why yeah. didn't we invest more money in the graphics of it? Yeah. But like I said, I didn't notice it much. I mean, now that you say something and I think about, think back to it, yeah, it wasn't as good as an $8.3 million budget could allow. Yeah. But it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I have I have to agree with that. Yeah. And, um, of course, off the, the heels of the well, we uh, enter uh, – um, Hartcourt Fenton Mud makes his return to uh to to Discovery, and man, you know what? In the first episode we saw him, I really wasn't all that impressed. But oh my god, this dude, this dude's entry, his attire, everything, his uh freaking um uh what's the Daft Punk esque uh mouse helmet or whatever you call it. This dude is freaking awesome. I love Mud in this episode, man. What did you guys think of Mud? He was good. I mean, I I, I did like him. He, you know, I, I have to say this. I have not seen a bad actor in Star Trek. And I always, you can ask my wife, every time we're watching maybe a holodeck episode or anything, the acting in Star Trek is always top notch. And I think Mud did a great job with his character. Yeah, totally. He irritated me. What? what, what really? He just irritated me. Huh? How that was so? his job. I mean, he was the he was the yeah, antagonist, but, 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 but I don't think it was the mud character. That 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 actor, I didn't watch The Office because that actor irritated oh, me. For Rain some Wilson is awesome, man. You're a Rain Wilson hater. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Sorry. Ah, uh, boo. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. That's just. I mean, maybe I need to go back and watch it again. But um, yeah, he just kind of irritated me. 
do we ever think that Mud's, you know, mission is to actually get his dear Stella back? It was all about his dear Stella. Because uh, uh, quite honestly, I never believed that for a second. Because the stuff he was doing is, I don't know, it's just weird that that would be his motivation. So I really never believed it from the beginning. I always kind of figured it was something else. And uh, we see that play out in the episode, of course. So moving right along. Um, yeah, so so this is where we kind of we go through this first sequence where uh, Mud infiltrates the ship, comes to a standstill and he, he, we see the time loop start to begin. And we're, we're deep in, into seeing this loop over and over again. And every little bit, of course, Mud remembers what's going on and he can adjust accordingly to um find out the secrets of discovery and eventually uh complete his mission to actually get the ship to the klingons um what do we think about the whole time loop concept and and as well their kind of explanation of what it was all about or how he was able to do this well first off uh i kind of missed a part of it at one point so i had to rewind but i wasn't keeping up with the time track so never have to rewind a time loop episode because you'll take <laughs> 20 minutes trying to figure out where you were. That's hilarious. <laughs> but but a very valid point. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I, I like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, they kept up with the, you know, the whole story of the uh, Burnham and Ash relationship growing I mean, they kept that story consistent. It like grew each time. I, I mean, I, I just love the writing in this episode. And it's, like I said, it's outside the norm for a time loop. Now, what didn't make sense? I did not understand the whole crystal thing. Yeah. So supposedly it's a non-equilibrium matter state, something time crystal slash perfected by a four dimensional race slash something. <laughs> what? There's a four dimensional race. Well, what's the what's the uh, Kyle? I know you know the four dimensions. I know time and space. What are the other two? Okay, so um, well, well, there's five. Uh, there is um, A, B, and C, which is uh, height, length, and distance. But you also have to factor in D and E, which are uh, space and yeah. time. Also, hmm, interesting, interesting. And we so I guess that- time would be the fourth dimension, which would mean this race was able to manipulate time. Yes, yeah. because um, I'm going, I'm, well, in, in the world of Doctor Who, the first doctor said, uh, we're lost. Have you ever wondered what it was like to be wanderers and lost in the fourth dimension? So and in that aspect, it could either be um, time or space, actually. So, yeah. yeah, guys, go back and watch that first episode of Doctor Who was fantastic. Fantastic. Anyway, absolutely. Uh, um, yeah. So um, again, um, I mentioned this earlier, but we see Stamets kind of start to form this, you know, very awesome relationship with Burnham and, you know, goes as far as to revealing how he met Culber and, you know, teaching Burnham how to dance, which I thought was really awesome. Again, just kind of loving this different side of, uh, of Stamets. And, um, yeah, I was quite surprised by the secret that Burnham told Stamets. I wasn't really expecting that, but it does go into the flow of, of, of the episode, uh, to see Burnham's kind of journey and breaking out of her shell. And what was it that was told 
to uh, Stamets? You guys remember? That she has never been in love before. Yeah, that's deep. <laughs> Very deep. Yeah, yeah. So I really love that. And again, it just kind of goes into her, uh, the journey that we're seeing throughout the course of the episode. Now, what I was expecting her to say was that she, I thought she would tell him she thought she was falling in love with Ash. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. But I'm actually glad that they didn't, because then that just makes it even more too pushed uh, forward. You know, it's too because if she's not if she's used to suppressing. Well, you could look at it either way, I guess. If you've uh, suppressed your emotions for so long and you finally let them go, they're heightened. You could look at it that way or you could look at it from the perspective of if you suppressed, then it takes you a while to get in touch with your emotions. I guess it's whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah, I, I very much see it as kind of the analog to um to seven to nine, um because you know she has a similar journey and how she has to rediscover her huma- humanity. So I thought that felt very similar to me in how she's actually unfolding and learning these different things again. Oh man! So yeah, I was have to talk about my favorite part of the episode, just pure and utter, utter joy and fun. <laughs> and that, my friends, would be the Lorca killing montage. Do you guys remember this part? Uh, yes. Do you remember, John? Well, yeah. No. Oh, say say it again. What what, the, what happened? The, the the Lorca killing. Well, I guess it's, I guess I should say the mud killing Lorca montage. Oh yeah 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 <laughs> that was pretty cool. I did like that. Oh, so fantastic! And have we not all thought? thought of what would happen if somebody just gets uh, transported into space or beamed into space. That was just great. <laughs> and I hate to see the captain die, but you know, it was, it was a bit of fun. Um, uh, maybe he'll think twice about his menagerie or whatever you call it. All his weapons, cash that he has uh, stowed away on the ship. But yeah, good, good fun. Um, what else? Um, you guys want to bring up anything in the episode before I move on? No, I think you're my man. You're doing good. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, you know, one of the big things, I, I guess my big, biggest gripes about this episode, and this is kind of wrapping things up. Um, the notion that Mud would be willing to alter his course of action to get Burnham as being a, a something that's as valuable as the discovery is. And, I really didn't understand that. Maybe it has something to do with the Klingon thinking. But do you guys have any thoughts on that? Do you think it was justified for him to change his course of plans just to to have Burnham in the in the uh, the things that he, he's giving over to the Klingons? I think it was. I mean, Burnham would be a pretty important prize to the Klingons just because of how ritualistic they are. I think it'd have been more important to. Uh, as far as their pride is concerned, to avenge Takumbo's death. Hmm. Good point. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, maybe. It. It doesn't feel right to me. I don't know what about it. It was, but it, it just did not feel like it fit to me. Uh, did not. Well, it was. It was a stretch. I mean, it, it was a stretch. It's explainable, but it was a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So we see what they kind of outsmart Mud by um in this loop of this thirty minute window loop. Um in, in the one of the last I guess the last sequence, they find time to contact 
um mud's mistress lady uh and um and actually bring her to the ship and we see where they actually you know the 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 culmination of the episode is the con man gets con um and stella is actually aboard the ship with her um what treacherous uh gangster dad (laughs) 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 and and that sums it up yeah, and we find out that that actually Mud stole their the money that was given at their wedding, I guess, and went off uh, gallivanting, gallivanting about the universe, and and uh, he actually conned her as well. And uh, Daddy says he's not having that, and um, yeah, he, they're back to collect Mud, and he says whatever makes his daughter happy is 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 what he he wants. So yeah, Mud is is definitely not where he wants to be by the end of this episode. <laughs> so guys I'm great I think I've talked about any more takeaways you got any more takeaways anything jumped out at you in this episode any anything well, a couple of things number one we need to talk about the well it's not super important I thought it was cool the implants that the doctor put in Stamets arms and I assume the rest of his body where the spore drive connects to him to make it easier for him Th- that was interesting um I it just, I, I guess they're kind of taken to, again, they didn't mention much about, I mean, the only thing part about this that we've seen was the first time he jumped in this machine and he had to spend some time in the infirmary about it. And then we hadn't really heard much more about it. So I guess that kind of tells me that they're okay with allowing him to do this continuously. True. And I guess he's okay with it. True. Interesting. Yeah. I guess he's saying he's having the best time of his life. He's he's uh, carefree and uh, <laughs> living it up. I don't know, right? Yeah. And then, he, so what? What do we think made it possible for? Oh, they did say that. Did they explain why Stamets could remember? Uh, something to do with the mycelium network and how it is uh, something in the universe. Uh, Star Trek jargon, blah blah blah. Uh, <laughs> no, no it, 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 it had to do with him being exposed um, to the different particles almost made him immune to the effects. Um, and I'm sorry to keep going back to Doctor Who here, but the same way that people who travel in the TARDIS have immunity to certain uh, time effects or whatever. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, to me, that made sense. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like he almost exists outside of the normal constraints of time and space is kind of how you could think of it. Uh, Good way to put it. Because, like, when he's connected mm-hmm. to the mycelium network, he is pretty much everywhere, you know. So I, I can see that All being right. it, definitely a awesome reason of why he why he can do this. And, you know, just an excellent opportunity for these guys to write this awesome time loop episode, which, you know, I have to say I really loved. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I love, I love the super cheesy line where, uh, Burnham says, you're mad. And then Harry, uh, then Mud says, no, I'm mud. <laughs> really cheesy. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I-, I thought it was great as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Guys love the episode. And, um, yeah, I guess that concludes our review unless you guys had anything else about him. No, I thought that was, well, that was pretty good. Pretty, pretty much it. So, guys, the next episode is, and I know I'm going to say this wrong, uh, so maybe you guys can help me out. Civis Pacem Parabellum? Do, do, do you guys know how to say that, really? Because I know I'm not saying it right. 
I haven't seen it. Guys, write in and tell me how wrong I'm saying it. Uh, but it's uh, Civis Pesum, Pesum Parabellum something? I think so. Civis, uh, it might be pa, pa, uh, Pechum. <laughs> no idea what that means. <laughs> yeah, Civis Pechum Parabellum. Para I there bet you that's how you do it. There you go, Cal. I, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, guys, uh, that wraps up our review. Do you guys have anything that you want to talk about, um, what you're working on or otherwise? Maybe something you're watching or that you're just into at the moment. Cal Jones, what, what do you have going on, man? Uh, let's see here. You and I will be talking about Stranger Things, too, uh, on Discussing Who soon. And we will also be... Uh, reviewing with our other co-host Lee Shackelford some Doctor Who going into um, Christmas. So, yep, that's pretty much it for me. Cool beans. Uh, John, man, what you got going on? I've been working on anything you want to plug or talk about otherwise? Uh, Well, first, let me ask you guys this question. I've been seeing a lot of traffic on social media about Stranger Things. Is this something that I should have been watching and missed? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> is it sci-fi or it is very much uh horror horror horror, horror sci-fi, slash sci-fi type uh genre um it's very much of the period of the 80s so if you remember the 80s at all or any of the things that happened in the 80s you will be right at home it's very much of much of that time and it's just a pretty good overall story and uh yeah, I would say check it out, man. Check it out. I is think it's on Netflix it. or Yeah, season one and two of Stranger Things is on Netflix. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. All right. So Jonathan, let me say this. Uh as much as I like Marvel on Netflix, it has taken me almost a week in the past uh watching the Luke Cage, watching uh Jessica Jones. Uh with Stranger Things, both times I watched the whole thing within two days sitting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Check it out. Well, I don't have two days of time. <laughs> it's only, it's only like eight or ten episodes. Okay. So Yeah, season two is nine episodes. I think season one is probably ten. So yeah, not too too long. All right. Well, the only thing I want to mention or say, a bit of interesting uh fact I found. So in New Jersey there's a new exhibit at the Liberty Science Center, which is going to be a, which is not the first of them, but this is a Star Trek uh, Starfleet Academy experience. And it started a couple of days ago, actually. And you are able to come in as a tricky fan and be a Starfleet Academy cadet for a day. What? You, you actually go go through the classes and they have language, medical, navigation, engineering, command and science. You'll get to see the science behind your transporters. They have actual phasers. Now I don't know if they actually emit <laughs> a phaser beam, but you can play one day. I have a simulation to pilot a starship and all of that for the small price of twenty nine seventy five. And Clarence, you know, seniors over 62 gets a discount. <laughs> oh, you are okay. wrong. <laughs> Correction, $32.75 for adults. And seniors is $29.75. Oh, man. Uh, so that is at the Liberty Science Center in New Jersey. Take so my check money it out. now. <laughs> this looks freaking wow. awesome. I'm looking at some of the pictures. Yeah. Uh, we need to 
plan our next trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll put the put the link to that in the show notes. Um, so, guys, I think we're to the end of yet another episode of the STD podcast. Guys, if you want to check us out, you can uh, follow us at STD underscore podcast on Twitter and STD podcast on Facebook. And also uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We know you're listening, but please subscribe so we can make sure you get each and every episode. And yeah, yeah, guys, uh, anybody want to say the final words? Thanks. Have a good night and live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the STD podcast. For more information, go to stdpodcast.com slash subscribe.